with your tithes and with your offering. And that leads us into our word today. I've been talking, going through these 100 days, and we're, and we're asking you to practice generosity, giving not only to your local church, but out in the community, buying someone's coffee, uh, helping someone out generously. Um, and today, I just I want to narrow it down because uh, I've been told by many people, mentors and uh, people, even people in the church, that I do not talk about giving enough. And I really, uh, as a pastor, I don't. Um, and I think I've only preached about tithing and giving only once in almost the three years since we've been up and running. But today, I want to not only talk about generosity, but I'll, I want to really focus on the word tithe today. Now, I realize that when pastors start talking about giving, that a lot of negative stuff goes on in the mind and people's like, oh no, here we go. There's a pa another pastor talking about money. Um, but I'm not that pastor because I really don't talk about it enough. But I want to pastor you today and I want to educate you and show you what all is attached to the word tithe in the scripture and how and what it means for our church and what it means for your home. So give me uh, your ear just for about 30 minutes this morning. And I want to talk to you today. If I was going to title it, I would title uh, this, this word, it's just a test. It's simply a test. It's just a test. Do you know this uh, do you know that that every time you get paid, you are taking a test? If you get paid once a month, you're taking this test once a month. If you get paid every other week, then it's every other week. And you're taking this test, and you may say, well, what is the test? This test is who do you worship? Who do you worship? Who are you going to give thanks for your resources. Um, if you may get paid at the end of the month and you may be one of those people that's laying awake till midnight to see it when it's going to hit your, your bank account and whenever it does, you're like, praise the Lord, I'm going to Target tomorrow. Uh, that was the sign that I needed. Uh, and you were looking through. But, but, but this test is asking, who do you worship? Who, who, who are you going to give your first fruits to whenever you uh, income? comes into your account. Who do you worship? Do you worship Visa? Do you worship a, a, uh, a mortgage company? Do you worship Target? Who, who, is it, who is it that you worship? Who is getting your first fruits? And in Malachi chapter 3, this, this is strictly talking about the principle of tithe. And I, if you have your Bible, your phone, I want you to open this up because I'm going to go line by line and break this down for us today. And I want to debunk some things. I want to say you at ease on some things, and, I, and I, I think God wants to do something through this word. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, the word says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. That right there is enough reason to praise the Lord, amen? He says, I do not change change. God does not change. There are people in this room, there'll be people who are watching and listening throughout the week. Uh, they cannot stand the C word, and I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking about change. You cannot stand the word change. You can't stand to change. You can't stand when something changes in your life. If you are the person, guess what? You should be in love with our Lord, because our Lord, he never, ever changes. He's the only thing in your life 
life that will never change. He can't change because if he were to change, he would only get better. And he can't get better because he's already the best. Amen. He cannot change. He will not change. He does not change. Do you want to know something else that does not change about the Lord? It's his principles. His principles do not change. We we will look at the principles that Jesus set up all the way back to the Old Testament. Uh, The laws in the Old Testament, he takes and uses the principles of it and brings it in a new new form of law to his people in the New Testament, like the the law of sacrifice uh, in the Old Testament. If you had sin in your life, you would literally have to take a new spotless lamb and take it into uh, the courtyard, into the altar, and slaughter the lamb and shed the blood. And that that was a sacrifice for your sins. But what does God do? He took that same uh, that same principle that was in the Old Testament law, and He sent His Son. Jesus Christ in the New Testament and under a new law and he allowed that principle. He allowed him to be your sacrifice, to be the lamb, the spotless lamb that shed his blood for you for your sins. He took that old law and brought the principle for us today. He does not change. He said he does not change and it says therefore you are not consumed O sons of Jacob. In other words, he was literally reminding the people you are not dead. You've not been consumed. You are still alive. You still got breath and and purpose inside of you. And in verse 7, he said, Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. Take a moment with me this morning and make some notes and look at the word ordinance, if you would. An ordinance is like a local law. The local government can pass ordinances on things that the state government allows to be regulated on a local level. Ordinances make things ordinary for the local people, for a group of people. Your HOA can make ordinances, uh, which makes things ordinary for your subdivision that may not be in another community. They can make an ordinance that makes it ordinary that you have to mow your lawn. They can make an ordinance that makes it ordinary that you cannot have a refrigerator on your front lawn. Praise the Lord. It's an ordinance. They have that ability to make things ordinary for you, for your, for your home, and for your, for your community. And here we are talking about the topic, the very specific topic of, 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 of tithing here. And he was saying, that this principle uh, is is supposed to be an ordinary behavior in, 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 in your life and for the children of the Lord. He said, but you've gone away from my ordinances. It's no longer ordinary, and you have gone away from the ordinary behavior. He said, you've gone away from my ordinances and not kept them. He said, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. He was saying, you walked away from me. I did not walk away from you. That's why we rededicate our lives. Some people feel, you know, that that once you are saved, you know, that there's nothing else left. You can walk away from the Lord. That's why in moments of prayer, I said, if you've ever known him and you need to come back, come back to the Lord. He said, you walked away from me. I didn't walk away from you. And notice those last words. It says, says the Lord of hosts. This is the Lord speaking about this topic. He said, but you 
said, listen to this, in what way shall we return? He says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And he answered, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you robbed me. I think it's so important here to note that the Lord isn't saying, I put you under a curse, but he's saying you have put yourself under a curse because you are not following this specific ordinance. He said, you've put yourself under it because you're not giving me your first. He said here, he said, you've robbed me. It's so important to understand that God doesn't need your first, but he wants your first. He's the God. He owns the cattle of a thousand healed. He's got the whole world in this palm of his hand. He doesn't need it, but he wants it because it's a covenant. It proves your trust and your relationship with him. Then he said, if you have robbed me, he said, this is how you stop. He said, if you are under this curse, this is how you get on top of the curse. Verse 10, he said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Bring all of the tithes into the storehouse. Now listen, there are a lot of debates about this word storehouse. If you Google it, you will find it. Uh, I truly feel that, that what it means for the church today is that the storehouse is the church. And I say this because I want you to hear me today. The church should be the storehouse in the communities and the cities in which they are established. Amen? I said the church should be the storehouse. The church should be a able to bring in your first fruits and store them up. And when there is a need in our city, when there is a need in our church in the world, guess what? The people come to the storehouse. Guess what? The government should not be your storehouse. Can I get an amen? The government was not created to be the storehouse. God created the church to be the one helping the people. But now that the church is not bringing in the tithe, the church cannot live and be what God created it to be. Now people have to run to the government. The church should be not only a lighthouse, but be the storehouse. Can I get an amen? The church should be taking care of the community. The church should be able to help those in need, but because less, a national average of less than 10% of people inside of the church actually give and tithe, the church cannot be what it was created to be. It cannot do what it was created to do, but we are the storehouse. Guess what? The church should be able, the church should have the financial ability to put every orphanage in America out of business. Whenever we hear of an orphan, whenever we see someone that needs a child that cannot afford it, we should be able to say, we can help you out. The church should be able to do that. We should be able, we, when I say we, I'm talking about legacy. We should be able to open up a Christian school one day, Legacy Academy, and offer kids an above-average education and pay teachers what they are getting paid by the government system. Why? Teachers are tired of the system. It is run by a corrupt government. Christian parents are tired of it. We were meant to be the storehouse. We were meant to be the storehouse. We should have a legacy community center. 
where we can tutor kids, where we can teach life skills to those in needs and not have to ask a grant from the government to keep it open. We are supposed to be the storehouse. Can I get an amen this morning? But because people have gone against the ordinary, gone against the law and the ordinances, the church does not have the resources, and now people are having to rely on the government instead of coming into the church. Whew. He said, bring all of your tithes to the storehouse that there may be food in my house. There may be food in my house. Every good father wants their kids to eat well. If you are a good father, you never want your kids to go to bed hungry. Every good father, I don't want my kids to go to bed hungry. I want my kids to eat well. As a pastor, I want the sheep, I want the congregation, I want them to eat well. I don't ever want anyone to leave a service at Legacy Church and, and still be spiritually hungry, like just starving and depleted. But whenever people of Legacy walk out the door, I want them to say, Whoo, I have been in the presence of of the Lord. I feel like I just sat at the king's table. I feel full as a tick. I could just bust right now in the goodness of the Lord. But when people leave this place, I want them to know that they have been eating well and they've been spiritually fed and they're ready to go for the week. I feel like at Legacy Church, I feel like we eat well here. Amen. I feel like we have good food here. We have good physical food here. Before each service, we we, we, we usually have, we, we will feed you. Today we had chicken and waffles. It's, it's, it's so good. We, we have good physical food here. It's free for everyone, but somebody had to pay for it. We have, good, we have good music and we have good word here. I think we've got the best of worship anywhere around. Can anybody testify? I brag and I brag and I tell everybody about how good our worship is, but somebody has to pay to make it happen. We have good live stream. Those of you who are watching right now and those of you who will replay this throughout the week and listening on our podcast, we're even doing, we're trying our best to make it even better for you. But guess what? Someone had to pay to make it available. Someone had to bring it into the storehouse so we could give you the food to listen and eat on. We have a great children's ministry and we're about to do some renovation downstairs to improve our space for our babies, but somebody has to pay for it. In other words, you you eat great food here at Legacy Church, but someone is paying for it. And th 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 this, is how it this is how it goes. So often in the church, church in general, church nationwide, we can get so used to good food. We can get so used to good word. We can get so used to, 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 to find furnishings and good events and good small groups and good worship and good word that we forget that it's not free. And we take it for granted. I was telling first service that I used to serve tables. I was a server, a waiter, whatever you want to call us. In high school, and I did it all the way. I worked through college, and I did it through college. And I was telling them there's no way that I would be a server in today's society. I feel for you, whoever you are. Because uh, it makes you so mad. When you give someone a great meal 
and you put it down before them. And you tried to give great service. And there's always that person that sends you back and forth, back and forth, back and Can I have this sauce, that sauce, this sauce? You know who that is. I think some of you are feeling convicted right now because it's you. <laughs> I want sweet tea. Then you bring it, oh, it's too sweet. Can I have half and half? You give them half and half. I don't like that either. Can I have a coat? You give them a coat. That Coke's flat. Can I have a Sprite? And you're giving them great food, and you're giving them great environment, and you give them great service. And it will make you so mad and livid when they walk out and skip out on their check. I don't know about you, but when God blesses the storehouse so that there may be food in his house for his kids to eat, I don't ever want to eat it on a Sunday morning and then skip out on the check. Mm. Whew, I felt that come back. He said, bring all, the, bring all of the tithes to the storehouse. Bring me your first, bring me your first fruit that there may be food in my house and try me. If your Bible's open, I want you to underline, try me. Did you hear that? He said, try me. I usually always read from the New King James Version. It's just my, it's just my, what I like, uh, it's, it's me. Uh, the NIV says, test me. The ESV says, put me to the test. Now in this, says the Lord of hosts. There it is again. Once again, the Lord is speaking this. This is not one of those greedy televangelists. This is stretch your hand this way and write a thousand dollar check, and I'm going to send you some. I'm going to send you a, a, a vial of water from the Jordan River. This is not what it is. This is this is this is not a pastor that needs a pay raise. No, this the Lord of Hosts is speaking this word. He said, "Test me and see if I will not open." For you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Verse 11. And it's like an info commercial, but wait, there's more. Pick up your phone now and dial 1-800. I will tithe and you get this. And not only... Will I open up a window for you over your house? And pour? He said, I will even rebuke the devourer for you. All you got to do is stand there. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, your harvest, your children. He said, it's so, so, so that the vine will not uh, fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Isn't this amazing that God is attaching a level of protection to your giving? He said, there are battles that you will not even have to fight. I'll do it for you. When you follow the ordinance and you bring the first fruit into the storehouse. And again, what does he say? Verse 12, and all nations will call you blessed for you will be, delight you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Listen, it's just a test. Tithing is a test. It's a two-way test. It will test you, and it will test him. And get this. This is, this is one of the only places, maybe the only place in the Bible where the Lord says, test me. Hmm. 
Isn't it amazing that the only time that the Lord of hosts says, test me, is about one of the most controversial topics in the church. Isn't it amazing that the Lord, the time he says, test me, is on the topic that ruffles feathers more than any other in the church. Isn't it amazing that he says, test me over that topic that as soon as I told you what it was, you were like, oh gosh, here we go. You know you did. He says, test me when it comes to tithing. Not giving, not generosity, but tithing. He says, test me. Bring it here. I double dog dare you. Bring it to me and watch what I will do. I want you to get this in your notes. Tithing is a test. You can look at Genesis and see uh, people offering up a tithe of their first fruit all throughout Scripture. Then you see sowing and reaping. Tithe in the original text of Hebrew means a tenth, a tenth. I'm not certain why God chose the number 10, but, but, but for some reason, uh, that, that, that's what he did. And he decided to choose a percentage instead of a specific amount that way it's the same for everyone. Ten is often a number used in the Bible that corresponds with testing. Get this. How many plagues were in the Old Testament? Ten. The Lord used the plagues, what, to test Pharaoh's heart. How many commandments are there? That's our test in life. There are ten commandments. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? In the book of Numbers, it mentions the ten times of testing. How many days was Daniel before the king uh, and he was tested? Ten days. The, the book of Revelation, it says there will be ten days of tribulation and testing in the end. I want you to get this. Tithing is a test. Who do you work? Worship. Number two, I want to get this for, uh, for you before I go today. Get this, that tithing is biblical. A lot of people think that tithing is not, is not in the Bible, although I just read it. I hear it all the time. Or they feel that it's just the old law. Tithe is mentioned in Genesis 14. Write it down. Genesis 28 and 22. This was before the law was written. In Leviticus 27 and 30, in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 through 2, and verses 13 through 15, and, this, and the references, I could go on and on if I had the time, but here is the argument that you will hear the most. Are you ready? It's not in the New Testament. Are you ready? Open up your Bible. Go to Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Matthew 23, 23. You need to understand, if you have a red letter edition, these words are in red. Jesus is speaking here. Jesus, in the New Testament, is speaking. And he says, Matthew 23, 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. These are, these are herbs. These are, these are what have sprouted from the ground. In that time, you would bring, you would bring your, your fruits and things because that, that, that was your income. He said, you've brought me your first fruits and yet, ha and yet have neglected the weightier matters of the law. 
justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Did you hear it? In the book of Matthew, in red letters, Jesus Christ himself says, you tithe, which you ought to do, but you neglect Justice, mercy, and faith. Just because you tithe doesn't mean that you're a saint. It doesn't mean that your job is over. There are other matters in this. There there is still the work of the Lord. Justice, mercy, and faith. And Jesus said this, bringing the tithe, you ought to have done it. There it is. New Testament, red letters, Jesus Christ. He's saying it. You ought to have done it. I've been, he's like, it's in the word. It's, we, we've been teaching this for hundreds of years. Yes, you ought to have done it, but don't leave these other things undone. As I said to first service, I realize that when people start talking about tithing, that pe- there will be somebody out there in virtual world or somebody sitting here right now that's going to go through and dissect my, my message. It's just the way it is. I'm okay with you. I still love you. But listen, if you're one of those people who are saying, well, pastor, whenever I read uh, these, these you ought to have done, I believe that Jesus was referring to justice, mercy, and faith and not tithing. Well, let's read it from your version. If that's what he was saying, which I can understand, justice, mercy, and faith, you ought to have done, what does the, what does the rest of the verse say? Without leaving the other undone. Are you following me? Nod with me if you get me. Guess what? You can't argue with the word. The word covers it both ways. Yes, you ought to tithe. Yes, you ought to bring in your first fruit. He said, but don't, he said, but don't forget about everything else. Your faith, justice, and mercy. But if you're one of those people who, who thought Jesus was like, well, you ought to be doing faith, justice, and mercy. But he said, but, but whatever you do, don't leave your tithes undone. This word here is covering both sides. Tithing is biblical. Band, help me out. I want to end with this today. For you asking yourself, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? I don't speak this word trying to cause shame, trying to make you feel bad if you do or you don't. I'm just trying to bring light to this topic. Because there is so much attached to it. You can get under the curse of it. You rob the Lord. You're, and whenever, whenever it says you rob him, you're not, just, you're, you're not just taking what's his, but you are robbing him of, of the ability to bless you. Whenever you're not giving, he gave it to you. He opened up the door for you to go through and get the income. Now he's saying, this is a relationship, first fruit. And if you don't do it, you are robbing me the opportunity to bless you even more. Wow. Ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Stand on your feet with me this morning. 